John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. Let's hear the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in, in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Grass withers and the flowers fade. God's holy and errant word, it endures forever. May he bless it to us. Well, as we continue on in this opening chapter, there's much here for us. There is, in verses 1 to 18, an introduction to all that will follow afterward. John is introducing Jesus to us. And the interesting thing is that as he does so, it's not until verse 17 that he actually gives out the name of who he's talking about, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here he, he wants us to have this, this understanding of, of who Jesus is prior to coming in the flesh. And before he gives that full witness and evidence of Jesus Christ, there's introduction to who he has always been as God the Son. And we saw last week, Jesus is the Word. I don't think uh, for many of you I shared anything new or inventive. Maybe for some of you it was the first time you perhaps understood what the Word meant. But it was his way of presenting Jesus as the co-eternal, co-existing God the Son, the second person of that one triune God. An understanding of the God whom we are called to seek and to worship. Well, he goes on in this introduction to reveal something else about Jesus. And we see it there in verse 9. Jesus is the true light. The true light. What an interesting way. Like Calling him the word, calling him the true light is something that is strange and difficult to comprehend. We all understand what light is, but do we understand it in relation to what Jesus is? It's another expression that gives affirmation to his deity that here is God. Remember what John would say in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, when he is describing God 
and his attributes. What does he say of God there? God is light. <laughs> and, and it's an interesting way to, for us to understand God in his being, in who he is as God. Scripture uses that many times. Just, we already heard two of those occasions in our call to worship from Psalm 36, 9. We heard that he is light and that only in his light are we able to see light. Now that means light is something more than just some, something shining. It, it's referencing something. We call this light and those light bulbs. But there, there is something about light itself that displays the glory and being of God. We heard and sang from Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light. And as light, He is our salvation and our strength in darkness. Light is an attribute of God. And scripture shows us, God himself teaches us what it means to understand him as light. When it reflects the character of God and his deity, light is an all-encompassing attribute. It doesn't refer to just one thing, but it encompasses much of who God is and how he relates to us. Light is something that testifies to his holiness. We heard that already from 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, when it talks about God dwelling in unapproachable light. What does that mean? It means God is holy. There's no other like him. And he has such a brilliancy of holiness that even the angels that are around his throne cover their eyes. They can't behold him. Again, there's a testimony of how great and glorious his salvation to us in Christ is because we will one day be able to look upon our God and see him. But he is light. He is holy. He is a God of moral purity. That's what John means in 1 John 1.5 when he says God is light. And there he's talking about that moral purity of God, contrasting it with darkness. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You know, I marvel. And how many people in their ignorance, and perhaps not so much uh, lack of ignorance in that they don't know, but an ignorance that makes them arrogant. When you hear people say, God can't be good because of all the evil we see in the world. And they would attribute the darkness that we behold in this world to God. Blasphemy. That's the arrogance of the heart that doesn't look inward and understand that there but for the grace of God do I call. God is light. He is moral 
purity itself. And as light, God is truth and revelation. And here are three more words that come together for us to understand that. Many of you have memorized Psalm 119, 105. I always give the verse first because it starts stimulating in your thoughts. What is that verse? You probably know the verse, but the reference is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Could be a double entendre there with the word Word, speaking and referencing of Christ, who is light to our path. But we understand his word. And in fact, in John's gospel, we are brought to understand Jesus is that light and life as the word. His word is truth. It sanctifies us. His word is the truth of Jesus as the only way of life and uh, entrance into the presence of God. Light is an all-encompassing attribute of God's holiness, moral purity, truth and revelation, and as well as the God who is good, (laughs) who is a fountain of grace, whether we realize it or not. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from who? The Father of lights. The Father who is the creator of all the lights that we see in the heavens. The sun and the moon and the stars. That the one who created those is light itself. What gives that sun It's burning energy. Scientists can tell you. But they can't tell you who gives that burning energy that gives light to our system. Isn't it amazing? And what does it say when we understand God as the father of those lights? God who is light. He's the one who gives every good and perfect gift. This is God. God who is holy. God who is righteousness. God who is truth. God who is grace. And and when you think of that, when you think of that and you bring it into what John here says of Jesus Christ, here is the true light that gives light to every man coming into this world. He's preparing us. As as we come to next week and we see that word who is the light and life of all men has now become a man himself. He's come into the world to bring forth that light and truth of who God is. Jesus has come into the world to bring that light of God's nature into a very dark and chaotic and evil world that is bound within its sinfulness. This is who Jesus is. And when we, when we hear this, when we put it all together, my friends, it, it starts to work in our own mind and thoughts as Christians. Just ask yourself this question. 
Where would this world be if God was not light? Uh, we, we can't imagine a world as chaotic and evil and dark as it is. That if it were not the fact and truth that God is light, <laughs> it would be far worse than what we recognize. And as the true life, Jesus does these three things that are mentioned within this text. As the light, he has come to accomplish this. First of all, as we see within verse 9, he has come to give light to all. A very significant point made that again can be difficult to understand. What does it mean that Jesus, the true light, gives light to every man coming into the world? Well, we want to consider, first of all, that he was promised to be such. Most of us know uh, Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6, and realize that Isaiah 9 is a chapter that speaks about the coming of the Christ in human form and the coming of Christ as a child. Unto us a son is born, unto us a Sorry, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But if you take it in context, what has God promised? God has promised to send this son, his son, to help deal with the darkness that has enveloped the world and enveloped us. You go back to verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And in Isaiah 9 he goes on to say who that light is. And what we're receiving here is that, again, build up to the coming of Christ. John is saying that true life is come into the world to give light to every man. Whether people acknowledge it or not, the truth is every person in the world has been given some measure of light. The knowledge of God. If you want to call it general light, like we do with a revelation, general revelation. Jesus gives light to every man coming into this world. That is, as God's Son he stamps upon every soul a knowledge of God. A knowledge of God. Even the most vile and hateful atheist knows there is a God. <laughs> they may want to deny it verbally. But within their soul there is that general light that Christ places there. A knowledge of God's power. A knowledge of His holiness. A knowledge of His moral purity. A knowledge of His glory. They all have it. Why is it that generally in every culture there is an understanding that the last six commandments have application? You can go into some 
quote-unquote godless or non-Christian cultures and find that honoring your parents is one of the highest things that you can do. Where did that come from? Oh, we just thought it would be a good thing. No. That's the stamp of God's light. And, and murder. Everyone knows it's wrong to commit murder. Why? The stamp of God's life. There is a morality that exists that is general and common to all. We live in a time where much of that is being skewed more and more. But even the backdrop of what goes on in our Canadian culture today still has an emblem of morality in striving to what? To love. Not necessarily love God, but to love people for who they are. I've always noted this, and I've always, uh, in counseling to parents, just reminded them of the nature of sin within the heart of every child that we're dealing with. You never have to teach your children that lying is wrong. You never have to teach them disobedience is wrong. You have to teach them that obeying and telling the truth are right. But you've all had that experience where your, your child knows what no means. And that even from six months, no. Everyone knows it's wrong to dishonor, to be disobedient, to to murder, to commit adultery, to lie, to covet. We know that. Why? Because Christ has stamped God in every soul. And the same too. Everyone knows there is a God who is creator and sovereign and Lord over all. Romans 1.18, God makes it clear to us so that we will never doubt it. God has shown to everyone his power, the knowledge of the Godhead, so that all are without excuse when they suppress that truth in their unrighteousness. Why is God just in condemning every person in the world? Why is God just in condemning that person who lives in that place who has never heard the gospel and yet is under God's condemnation. Because the knowledge of God is stamped upon their soul and they in their unrighteousness and sinfulness say, I will not believe this God. I will not submit to this God. I will be my own God and worship myself. That's the heart of man. They sin against What God has stamped upon their heart, the knowledge of truth. God is light. And he's given that general light to everyone. But God is light. And and what he talks about here is, is as well that need that we have of special light. And Jesus has come as the true light to give light to every man coming into the world. That if you want to know God, if you want to relate with God, if you want to understand who you are before this holy, morally pure, true and uh, revelatory fountain of grace God, you need to know Jesus. 
He's the true light. Jesus coming into this world has come to be for us in our humanity alone the source of truth and righteousness and salvation and life in, with, and before God. He comes with purpose. He has come into this world to bring that true light to every nation, tribe, tongue, to all people. So that they may know what it is to be walking in darkness. Why did we need that true light to come into the world? Well, it's the same reason why we need better light to see in our homes. Have you ever noticed the danger and the problem with just a little bit of light? hides a whole lot that is wrong, doesn't it? I've been doing renovations in our house. and When it comes to putting mud on the wall when you're trying to seal all those cracks in the drywall and make everything look smooth and fine. You know, it's great to do that when the light isn't so good and you can have a modicum of, of uh, effort being placed in all of that and come back and step and say, oh, that looks good until you shine more light on it, and then you see all the dents and cracks that are still there. (laughs) You know, if Jesus had never come into this world, we would never understand how sinfully wicked we are in God's presence. In our own humanity, we can dismiss God. But when God comes in the flesh and dwells among us, did you notice Did you notice how even his own people hated him? Why? You go to John 3, and we'll hear this often. It's because John 3, 19, this is the condemnation. Light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. We would never know the true sinfulness of sin apart from the glorious true light of Christ in our humanity. In coming, he comes to bring that light so that he can bring to us that salvation that we need to be delivered from our sins and the penalty of our sins, death. Jesus is the true light. And and that brings us to the second thing as the true light. First of all, he comes to give light to all of us, but he shines in the darkness. And you see that in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and The darkness did not comprehend it. He comes into the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He's come as light into darkness. And he needed, as I've already said, to come and to shine in the darkness, to show us God in his holiness. That's one of the most marvelous things that's difficult for us to, to understand in our thoughts. But Jesus comes, even in the flesh, he comes as the one, uh, listen to these words from Hebrews 1.3, 
who being the brightness of the glory of God, the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. He's come to purge our sins. This is God who has come to shine in darkness so that we can see the way of life and truth to God. The entire world, my dear friends, is in darkness. It's another way of saying the entire world is bound in death and sin. You know, when we see death, we have to stop and remember that's God's judgment. It's his wage for sin. And, and what physical death is, is but the beginning and, and an understanding of eternal death. What does it mean for us to walk in darkness and under that power of death? Ephesians 2, verse 3, means to be under the prince of the power of the air, Satan. It means to conduct ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. It means to be by nature children of wrath the darkness and Jesus has come to shine within this darkness as I've already mentioned what did the world do when they saw the holiness the purity, the goodness the truth of God in Christ they hated him they hated him they put him to death They didn't realize that this was God's plan for us, that the one who himself was holy, pure, good, and true would be offered up in the place of the one who is wretched and who is immorally impure and unrighteous, who has no goodness at all within and of themselves and who walks in accordance with the lie that Jesus would be offered up for this wretched sinner. Shines in the darkness. The problem is because of the love of darkness. The bondage to sin and the deadness of the heart to God. The world could not, as he says here, the world could not and did not know him. Would not accept or even recognize Jesus as the son of God. And as the one who has come to bring salvation. Even his own. And here, the, verse 11 is, is speaking of the Israelite nation. Even this very people whom God had covenanted with in Abraham, the very nation who had been prepared for 1,500 years to watch for that light who was coming. You read the Gospels and you see they rejected and would not receive Jesus. Why is that there? It's building up to verses 12 and 13, but it's speaking to all of us here today. 
We talk about men's goodness. We talk about someone who has a good heart. And, and in some ways, there's a measure of understanding. We look and understand nobody's perfect. We understand that everybody does wrong. We understand offenses happen. And, and in our life, we've either uh, committed offenses against uh, others or had them committed against us. We, we understand all of that. And yet, we can still look at someone who has a kind heart who has a generally good nature. And we can be fooled into thinking, okay, they're a good person. But when you read this, that, that, that's an estimation of goodness from man's perspective, not from God's. Jesus came into the darkness that there stands, even within this world where Christ has come in, an understanding that there is no goodness within man that has any worth or value to God. None. Psalm 114. Fool who has said in his heart, there is no God. God looks from heaven down upon creation to see if there is any who does good. And what's his verdict? None. No, not one. None. And what God wants us to understand here is that that's the state of our hearts apart from the light of Christ shining within. Before God, our hearts are wicked, sinful, they are dead. And until the light of Christ shines in the darkness of our own hearts, we cannot know God. We cannot love God. We cannot be saved by God. We cannot be pardoned of our sins. We cannot be brought from death to life. Only when the truth of Jesus is revealed within our hearts does light begin to shine. But until then, even with all of our worldly goodness, we would rather worship ourselves, we would rather rely on our own goodness. And we would hate when whatever sin we commit is shown by the light and countenance of God's glory. That's our heart. And we want to think, I know that sounds dark and doom, doomly, but it's purpose to, because he's saying here is that this is why Jesus came. He came to shine in the darkness of your heart. He came to show you the glory, majesty, and goodness of God. And as the light, and this brings us to the, the third point, is that he, as the light, not only comes to give light and to shine in darkness, he comes to grant 
that right of adoption. In this verses 12 and 13, those are the primary verses that we look at and, and understand the nature of God's grace. But this is, this is what's flowing to us from Jesus. Here is why Jesus came to bring that light and life into the souls of those who are saved. And these two verses express to you, my dear friends, the absolute necessity of Jesus being not only the true light, but of being your light. We sang from Psalm 27, the Lord's my light, and then what? My salvation. Can you say that? That's the point here. You may think your your goodness, you may think that your kindness, you may think that your character and personality is, is pretty good, and it certainly may be better than others. When you see Christ, true light, the righteousness of God, and you, and you start to compare yourself with that glory of who he is. You see that there is nothing of righteousness in and of ourselves that has any worth or measure before God. But, but here comes Jesus wanting to be my light. <laughs> my salvation. So that I can have that right of being called a child of God. Because I've believed in him. In what he has accomplished for my salvation. His death that has paid the penalty for all my sins. Here comes the Lord as light to bring me salvation. The thing that these two verses. Verses 12 and 13. Speak to us is. This was God's desire in his son. Jesus was sent by the Father to give light so that everyone who receives Jesus will receive that grace of adoption. What are the graces of adoption? Well, adoption is very closely linked to our justification. It means to be saved from the judgment of sin. It means to be delivered from the death that we deserve. It means to be accepted, received by God. (laughs) But it's just a little bit more than all of that. It means to be made a son or daughter of God. It means that God is desiring this very, very deep and close relationship with you that is only found within family. And this work of light shining in you and bringing you to this place where you are made a child of God, you understand, my dear friends, the verse 13 comes on, that this being born of God is not something you have done. This is something God in his grace, in his undeserved love and kindness has accomplished 
for an unworthy sinner. You haven't gained this adoption because of any genealogical connection. You're not born of blood into the kingdom of God. You may have many godly parents and grandparents. But if you have not believed in the name of Jesus, you do not have that grace of adoption. It's not by any inward goodness, not of the will of the flesh. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. Our righteousness accounts for nothing, especially and particularly in regards to salvation from sin and deliverance from death. And you haven't been born again by your own ability to understand. It's not of the will of man. It is because of God who has brought the light and truth into your soul, enabling you to believe and enabling you to receive his grace offered in Christ. My friends, you've heard that this morning. Light has been given to you. Have you believed in the Lord? Have you seen the darkness of your own heart and the need that you have of deliverance from that? Has that light of Christ shone in your heart? And you need to believe. You need to call on the name of the Lord. You need to shout out, Lord, save me. And he will. And the very fact that you cry out, Lord, save me, is a sign that Jesus, the true light, is shining within you. Come to him. Come and experience in your own life that grace of God that saves you. Come to Christ and live. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.